Welcome to Under Your Helmet, the mental health and neuroscience podcast for equestrians in Canada. Your hosts are Dr. Megan Pinfield, a registered clinical counselor, and Christina Stevenson, a professional equestrian coach and horse trainer. We would like to acknowledge that Under Your Helmet is recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Kwantlen, Patsy, Matsqui, and Semiamu First Nations people. Okay, welcome back and Happy New Year. How was your Christmas, Christina? A little bit chaotic and I'm really glad to be moving into this time of year now. Yeah, what was chaotic about it? Uh, I just felt like I was getting kind of pulled a little bit in every direction without enough time to do my usual routine. That makes me so relaxed and happy. Yeah, I think I think a lot of horse people uh, have the same problem at Christmas. I know I do, where you have all these sort of engagements and social activities and things you have to get done and do. And then you also have to take care of your horse and go to the barn and do all that kind of stuff. And you get sort of out of your routine. I had some people that were telling me they were feeling guilty for not spending all the time with their horses that they wanted to. I think it's because it's hard for friends and family to understand our continued commitment and responsibility to the horses, regardless of social events. Also, there's often an underlying dread that if we don't keep our horse routine and let somebody else do it, that disaster will happen. Oh, yeah. I I, I worry if I don't show up at the barn that my horse is going to get really stir crazy and then we're going to have accidents. Yeah. And it's if I miss a feeding, maybe they'll call it and now I'm going to have a thousand dollar vet bill. Nobody wants that. Yeah, exactly. When when holidays happen for people, uh, they they often go awry when you have horses. I'm always really thankful for January because it's time to get back into a normal routine and, uh, you know, lessons and riding and everything should return but now our region is finally getting some winter weather and that will test both our horses and our resiliency yeah exactly the winter weather is not a horse person's best friend (laughs) yes I'm usually really happy to get back to my normal routine and, and taking care of myself with you know a regular sleep schedule and my healthy eating habits and and just the right amount of socializing I'm actually quite introverted and I really crave that alone time to sort of regenerate. It really helps me stay resilient during stressful periods. I think that's an important thing you said there about how you need alone time and quiet to regenerate or re-strengthen your resiliency. Let's talk about exactly what resiliency is and how it plays a role in how we handle our our day-to-day events and horses uh, have resiliency too. Yeah, well, so resilience is really, um, it's a complicated topic (laughs) and a very broad topic because it has multiple sort of components. But um, in a nutshell, resilience is the ability to sort of bounce back after difficulty or hardship. So, there, I mean, there's really no such thing as sort of perfect resilience. It's not like some people have resilience and therefore they don't experience adversity. Um, We all have resilience. We all have varying levels and degrees of resilience, uh, but every living thing has some resilience or it wouldn't be a living thing, (laughs) if that makes sense. So 
um, really how much resilience you have and the degree to which you are resilient uh, is dependent on a number of different factors. An image of what resiliency can maybe look like for those that maybe don't understand it yet is that maybe you're inside a bubble and that protective bubble has layers that keep stress away from you or allow that stress to bounce off of you and when you get overly stressed and overwhelmed maybe your bubble wrap is a little bit thinner and that stress can kind of get in and get at you a little bit yeah that, that's actually kind of a, a good analogy and as you were saying sort of bubble i was actually sort of imagining uh, sort of like an elastic band even yeah, where, yeah, so when, you know, when you're really stressed out and you have a lot of things going on and, you know, your cup is, is running empty, that elastic band is stretched out to the max and one more thing is going to make it sort of explode. Ah, uh, like last straw on a camel's back. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, it's not about uh, having resilience or not having resilience. It's about how much do you have under what conditions and how well do you sort of um, adapt when things sort of don't go as planned. You said there was that animals have resiliency too and horses definitely have that. So just like the humans with all of the holiday season, our resiliency has probably been thinned out a little bit. The horses can also have that effect and one of the things that just happened was a big winter windstorm that just happened here and i noticed today that my horses definitely were not at their best and their stress levels were raised and therefore their resiliency would have been lower yeah and exactly and so you know resilience can be affected by a whole bunch of different things um you know it's sort of uh your environment it's you know partly your biology it's also your your early social interactions with your caregivers that all sort of work together to sort of shape um you know the degree to which you sort of bounce back from things need small appropriate doses of stress when we're young um, in order to develop resilience. Um, so stressors for, for like infants would be, um, you know, having to wait for your, your bottle feeding by 15 minutes kind of thing. Um, or it could be as, you know, complicated as, um, you know, stress for a child where you're having, um, you know, maybe conflict with a teacher, right? or a fight with a friend. So, you know, manageable stressors for a young child are important. If there's too little, we can't develop resilience. And if the, the stressors are too extreme or too unpredictable, um, it will overwhelm us and, and then we feel incapable or, or sometimes, you know, for some children in, in some situations, maybe even threatened. So, you know, an example of a stressor that might be too overwhelming would be, um, you know, the unfortunate case of abuse or neglect, for example. Horse example might be even instead of threatened, maybe going into the realm of unsafe, where you would take a youngster, say a yearling or a two year old, and take him to a full blown national thousand horse chaotic horse show instead of maybe just walking down to the end of the driveway and then returning him back to the safety of his paddock. So stressors that overwhelm us or overwhelm the system will not sort of help us uh, become resilient or build resilience. They, they are just overwhelming. 
So the, the dosing is really important. It's, it's a small, manageable, appropriate, and even well-timed doses of stress. So for humans, when you've had early life experiences that were, you know, predictable and stable and consistent and um, caregivers that were warm and affectionate and reliable, and you experienced small appropriate doses of stress, uh, then you end up sort of developing, you know, good resilience. Ah, uh, yes, this is exactly the same for horses. When you have a young horse and they feel safe in their herd and they know the routine and they're comfortable with the noises and the smells and the sights and the sounds around them, they can confidently exist in that environment and get enough sleep that they need and learn how to play and learn how to trust their persons and develop a higher resiliency to daily stressors. Yeah, so so when that happens for us you know we end up developing characteristics that also um you know help contribute to resilience things like you know uh, the ability to be cognitively flexible and and what that means is uh being able to look at the world and situations and other people in more than just black and white terms it's not sort of right wrong good bad all or nothing. It's, you know, all different variations of gray in the in-between. Uh, and another trait that, you know, gets sort of developed when we um, have good resilience is self-compassion. So, you know, our ability to be kind to ourselves during times of stress and times of difficulty and our ability to be kind to ourselves when we make mistakes. You know, these, these kind of traits really help us to be resilient. And you can work on your cognitive flexibility. You can work on your self-compassion skills. Other things are things like, you know, having good communication skills with, with other people, being able to have conversations about what's bothering you, what is stressful, being able to talk about your feelings, being able to express yourself clearly and also having the ability to really truly advocate for yourself when your needs are not being met. Oh, that last line, the ability to successfully advocate for themselves. That really struck me right now. Uh, there's a lot of training scenarios where horses don't get a say in the matter and their ability to talk to us gets shut down because it doesn't suit our agenda. Uh, it's kind of human nature to take this away from horses and we expect them to instantly comply, accept and learn what we want from them, regardless if they try to evade or dislike the situation. Humans like to have a one way street of quote respect or do as you are told. They just don't get to say that they're not comfortable yet with something or this isn't good for them. We stop listening. This can lead to learned helplessness or shutdown. Looks like quiet compliance, but it's very dangerous and difficult to further train. The other result is more often explosive reactions, extreme behaviors, because we didn't hear or respect the more subtle cues. Say you're approaching your horse when they're not ready to engage with you and they flicker their ear back at you, but you miss that. You don't think that's important. So you continue coming at them. And now they're put in a position where they have to more aggressively tell you to back off. 
this can become the hardwiring response when any human asks anything. It's really important to listen to a horse and work with them at their level. So you're kind of saying that like if if a horse is in an environment where the person that's interacting isn't listening, then they have to escalate their their experience or their uh, expression, I guess, in order to be heard. Yeah, and then the horse will learn there's no point in being subtle because people just aren't going to value that, so they have to go to the big things right away, and it puts us in danger. Yeah, and and I'm sort of thinking about the humans side of that, and it's really no different than kids that are raised in families where, um, you know, they they indirectly learn that their voice doesn't matter. So when I, I work with clients on sort of developing resilience, we, we work on a few different things. The first one is the cognitive flexibility. So that that ability to um, sort of accept things that are neither black nor white. Uh, so I talk a lot about sort of moving away from seeing things in polarities um, and sort of forcing yourself to use what I call both and thinking. Uh, this is this is sort of a phrasing from uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, but we, we talk about sort of being able to see that it's possible, for example, to 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 make a mistake and be a good rider. It's not you if you make a mistake, you're a bad rider. Um, so, you know, it can be both at the same time. You can be someone who makes mistakes and you're somebody who is a good rider. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, that definitely leads into that self-compassion business of be able to forgive yourself for making that mistake. Yeah, and they and they sort of go together. So, um, you know, cognitive flexibility and self-compassion, they sort of, you know, play back and forth on each other. You also need to have sort of emotion regulation. So, uh, you know, we I sometimes work with riders on, you know, learning to sort of um, manage their emotional states so that they are not sort of overwhelmed by their own emotional responses. So, you know, when you've got sort of good cognitive flexibility, you're able to be self-compassionate, you're able to sort of um, regulate your emotional responses to things, uh, it's much easier to sort of say, sometimes I'm a good rider and sometimes I make mistakes. And, you know, it's not sort of an either or, uh, and you don't get those sort of extreme poles in, in your thinking that, that cause us to sort of feel um, awful at times. One of the ways that we can help our horses become more resilient is by making sure that we're as handlers in our best place of resiliency as well. Uh, so making sure that we are providing our horses needs as a species will help them be more resilient as well. So what the horse needs to be in a safe place to be as less stressed as possible is that they feel safety. They often feel safety in a herd rather than being isolated. They need to have access to food and water. They need to have some shelter from the weather. They need a predictable routine. That doesn't mean you need to be on the minute. It needs 
means that they need to have food coming at regular intervals or throughout the time. They need to know that you're showing up. They need to know that their herd mates, when they go, they come back, all of those things. Uh, They also need to have enough sleep, real quality rest, where the horses feel safe enough to lie down and have true REM sleep. If they don't have enough bedding, if their environment is too chaotic, they just won't lie down. And there's a whole abundance of problems that come up with that. What it looks like when a horse has their needs all met, the horse will be generally calm. That doesn't mean they won't go run off and squirrel off and and be expressive, but they're generally calm. And they spend a lot of time just standing around dozing and sleeping in the sun and just grazing and eating. Horses that have all their needs met will be curious about new things. They'll want to go up and investigate. They'll want to play with some toys, possibly. Some horses don't. They'll want to play with each other. They'll want to play with you. Uh, So that means playful as well. What it looks like when a horse is not resilient and the horse is stressed, they get depression. They will stand with their head in the corner and they will dissociate from the world around them. They will often show anxiety. Uh, They may do a whole bunch of stereotypical behaviors, uh, such as pawing the ground frantically. They will weave their heads back and forth and back and forth, and they will dance around and they will uh, sometimes chew fences as a form of anxiety, as well as boredom and several other things. Uh, They will be avoidant of you wanting to come in. And that's a sign that they're not in a great relationship with you as well. They will just avoid things in general rather than deal with them. So patterns of stress in creating resiliency, uh, there are positives and negatives. So the positives in patterns of stress are having a predictable environment, uh, a moderate, controllable amount of stress put on so new things like if we talk about what a stressor is it could be a new novel thing that is being introduced to the horse for them to learn about it make it moderate don't make it so extreme that they just want to run away from it controllable can mean that you're presenting something new where you're limiting how much other stress is in the environment that they then have to go on with and that can be really hard with horses because We don't have a lot of control over the outside environment. So say if we're getting horses used to, say, traffic, we want to walk them down the road to introduce them to some cars, but then an uncontrollable thing might be other horses running in the field alongside that day or a a way too big and scary vehicle comes down the road. Well, we we can't stop those things from happening. On the other side of patterns of stress can be the negative things that cause harm, which would be chaotic, uh, things that have no pattern of recognition for a horse, so they can't count on them being safe or not. Uh, Severe and prolonged uncontrollable stressors. So severe would be uh, not just a little noise, but like thunder and lightning and fireworks. Let's say fireworks. Prolonged will be that it's going on and on and on and on, uh, where it really has seemingly no end to it. So the horse will feel like there's going to be no safety to be found after it. It's not like there's just one loud bang and then the horse can stand there and process it and realize that they're in a safe place again before the next loud bang comes. It goes on and on. And so it keeps them in this high alert stage for too long, causing some trauma. When the horses have uh, things that don't meet their species-specific needs, 
that's where the resilience will wear thin and the horse will take this with them for the rest of their life when this happens at a young age. These can be things like a scattered routine. It can be a lack of food. And that means that they don't have enough resources. So when the horse has a lack of food, their instinct really puts them into survival mode and they may have to even fight each other for that food. And that can be called resource guarding. And we see this often when horses come into barns and they get really upset at food time and they start gnashing their teeth at their neighbors or at the person even bringing the food. And that can be a sign that they've had stress about food or about the quality of the neighbor that they have. They're not in a trustful uh, environment. When we're teaching the horse anything or we're putting them in in a human-based environment, we don't necessarily see the amount of information coming at a horse because we're okay with it. But horses can be overstimulated very easily. Uh, just like infants can be. Um, When they get in too loud of an environment for too long, we'll see infants, how they'll just start crying and crying and crying. And all they really need to be is taken away from that environment so they can resettle down again. And horses do the same thing when we're putting too long of a training session on or uh, too many new ideas coming at them where they don't have enough processing time. And so that's where the amount of stress coming in really has to be a small dose repeated at frequent intervals with just enough time to process in between these uh, elements. Scary stimulus uh, can also be overstimulating. So if it's too scary, the horse will just want to leave and not stay around to process it. And that can be a real challenge for us. When horses are confined, it creates as a species, as a prey species, a panic button that says if something's bad, they can't get away from it. So We need to allow our horses to have enough room, even as we're presenting something scary, that they feel they can back up from it, that they can retreat to some safety element and then come back at things in their own time. And that can be quite a bit of time. If a horse is kept alone, it definitely needs to have a person or even another animal that it kind of views as a friend. Horses need friends. When they're kept in less than ideal situations, the horses will have a higher base rate of, of stress with them all the time. Whether it feels like things are good or not, their, their hormone levels of stress will be elevated so that when we go to do something with them, they're already in a raised elevated state which means that they're going to go into uh, the different stages of alert and avoidance and running away that much faster than if their base rate is at a neutral level. One other thing that can contribute to a horse's elevated stress levels or reduced resiliency is pain because they are prey animals. People get it too as say your your knee is hurting on a constant level. You're going to have an elevated irritability level. So horses do the same thing. Let's say your horse has some developed some arthritis or maybe it's teeth are hurting. So every time that horse is taking a step, every time that horse is taking a bite of food, there's going to be some pain recognition triggering in their body that is going to raise their stress hormones. So again, when we ask a horse to do anything for us, they may not be as accommodating for us. They're feeling vulnerable. The more vulnerable a horse is feeling, the less they're going to 
engage with us in a harmonious way. So it, it sounds like horses and young children need the same things from their caregivers in order to develop resilience. They need reliable and consistent interactions with their caregivers, predictable responses from their caregivers that are safe and caring. They need help to self-soothe and to regulate their emotions. And they need small, manageable doses of stress in order to build and strengthen their ability to be resilient. And on top of all of these things, they also need to have all their basic needs taken care of. On this episode, we've discussed what resilience is and the different factors that influence our resilience. This topic dovetails nicely into our next episode, where we're going to explain what adverse childhood experiences are and how they affect a rider's brain development. And of course, how our brain gets wired ultimately influences our ability to be resilient in times of stress. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is produced and edited by Megan Pinfield and Christina Stevenson. Intro music is Sunshine by Leva at Lemon Music Studios. If you've enjoyed your time with us, please hit the subscribe button so you can catch our next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and take good care of what's under your helmet. posted on the Under Your Helmet website is solely for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. Listeners should seek appropriate assessment and treatment for any medical or mental health condition they may have. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please contact your primary care physician or dial 988 